Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dr. J's Shakespeare. I'm Dr. J. The holidays, Christmas Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, are approaching, and so I've chosen a poem to go with the holidays. Shakespeare's plays don't have any scenes of either Christmas or New Year's, so today I'm turning to another, even earlier poet, the Gawain poet. No one knows her or his name, but only the poem I'm reading from today, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, and three or four others of similar style. The Gawain poet wrote 200 years before Shakespeare. Shakespeare wrote his poems and plays at the end of the 1500s and the beginning of the 1600s. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight was written in the late 1300s, over 600 years ago. The language is different than today's English, earthier, richer, but I think you'll be able to follow it. To help you, let me give you a little synopsis. It's a poem that tells a story. A story, to be specific, of King Arthur and the knights of his round table. It begins during the Christmas season and ends during the same season a year later. The passage I'm going to read comes in the first part of the poem. King Arthur and his knights, together with the ladies of the court, including Queen Guinevere, are banqueting, as they have been for days, feasting and drinking, telling stories and playing games, listening to music, perhaps even doing some impromptu dancing and laughing. In the midst of this gaiety, the hall doors swing open, and through them comes a giant man, a head taller than the tallest of the knights, on a similarly large horse. Amazingly, both the horse and the giant rider are green, not just dressed in green, but green in hide and green in face and hands and all over. This green man carries a large axe called a gizam, a battle axe with a razor-sharp blade measuring four feet in length, with a spike of green steel extending beyond it. The hall immediately quiets as all eyes turn to this stranger. After a short pause, Arthur asks this green knight why he has intruded into their festivities. If he's looking for a fight, there are plenty there who will stand forth. But the strange green knight says he isn't there to fight. There are none there who can match him, he disdainfully declares. Rather, he is there for a game, as becomes the holiday time. The game is this. The Green Knight will give his axe, his gizam, to any man who steps forward, his to keep, if only he agrees to an exchange of blows, one for one. The man who steps forward gets to swing first. The Green Knight will submit to the other's best blow, but then that man must submit to the same from the Green Knight exactly one year from now, a blow for a blow. It's a strange game, to be sure, for if the one who steps forward is strong enough to wield the axe, there is little chance, no, no chance, that a return blow will be coming. Arthur himself first steps forward, 
But then another, Sir Gawain, Arthur's own nephew, steps forward, as it isn't fit for the king himself to play a game. Gawain takes the axe. The green knight bends forward and clears his hair from the nape of his neck, and Gawain brings the axe down with all his force. The blade goes through both flesh and bone, falling so hard as to go into the wooden floor as the green knight's head falls and rolls away. Gawain lifts his arms in triumph, the axe high, to much cheering and applause. But remember, I said the poem begins this night, but ends a year later. The game isn't over. Something happens next, quite amazing, as befits the holiday revels. Let's find out what. I'll begin with the moment when the giant knight, astride his green horse in the midst of the hall and its revelers, declares he hasn't come to fight, but to play a game. From Sir Gawain and the Green Knight Sir Courteous Knight, Arthur spoke, If contest here you crave, you shall not fail to fight. Nay, to fight in good faith is far from my thought, answered the Green Knight. There are about on these benches but beardless children, were I here in full arms on a haughty steed, for measured against mine their might is puny. And so I call in this court for a Christmas game, for tis Yule in the new year, and many young bloods about. If any in this house such hardihood claims, be so bold in his blood, his brain so wild, as stoutly to strike one stroke for another, I shall give him as my gift this gizarm noble, this axe that is heavy enough to handle as he likes, and I shall bide the first blow, as bare as I sit. If there be one so woeful my words to assay, let him leap hither lightly, lay hold of this weapon. I quit claim it forever, keep it as his own, and I shall stand him a stroke steady on this floor. If you grant me the guerdon to give him another, sans blame, in a twelve month and a day, he shall have of me the same. Now, be it seem straightway, who dares take up the game? If he astonished them at first, stiller were then all that household in hall, the high and the low. The stranger on his green steed stirred in the saddle, and roisterously his red eyes he rolled all about, bent his bristling brows that were bright green, wagged his beard as he watched who would arise. When the court kept its counsel, he coughed aloud and cleared his throat coolly, the clearer to speak. What, is this Arthur's house? said the horseman then, whose fame is so fair in far realms and wide, where is now your arrogance and your awesome deeds, your valor and your victories and your vaunting words. Now are the revel and renown of the round table overwhelmed with a word of one man's speech, for all cower and quake, and no cut felt. With this he laughed so loud that the Lord grieved, with rage his face flushed red, and so did all beside, 
Then the king, as bold man bred, toward the stranger took a stride, and said, Sir, now we see you will say but folly, which whoso has sought it suits that he find. No guest here is aghast of your great words. Give to me your gizam in God's own name, and the boon you have begged shall straight be granted. Arthur leaps to him lightly, lays hold of his weapon. The green fellow on foot fiercely alights. Now has Arthur his axe, and the haft grips and sternly stirs it about on striking bent. The stranger before him stood there erect, higher than any in the house by a head and more. With stern look as he stood, he stroked his beard, and with undaunted countenance drew down his coat. No more moved nor dismayed for his mighty blows than any bold man on bench had brought him a drink of wine. Gawain, by Guinevere, toward the king doth now incline. I beseech before all here that this melee may be mine. Would you grant me the grace, said Gawain to the king, to be gone from this bench and stand by you there, if I without discourtesy might quit this board, and if my lady liege misliked it not, I would come to your council before your court noble, for I find it not fit, as in faith it is known, when such a boon is begged before all these knights, though you be tempted thereto to take it on yourself, while so bold men about upon benches sit, that no host under heaven is hardier of will, nor better brothers in arms where battle is joined. I am the weakest, well I know, and of wit feeblest, and the loss of my life would be least of any. That I have you for uncle is my only praise. My body, but for your blood, is barren of worth. And for that this folly befits not a king, and it is I that have asked it, it ought to be mine, and if my claim be not comely, let all this court judge in sight. The court assays the claim, and in counsel all unite to give Gawain the game, and release the king outright. Then the king called the knight to come to his side, and he rose up readily and reached him with speed, bows low to his lord, lays hold of the weapon. Arthur releases it lightly and lifts up his hand and gives him God's blessing and graciously prays that his heart and his hand may be hardy both. Keep, nephew, said the king, what you cut with this day, and if you rule it aright, then readily I know you shall stand the stroke it will strike after. Gawain goes to the guest with gizam in hand, and boldly he bides there, abashed, not a whit. Then hails he Sir Gawain, the horseman in green. Recount we our contract, ere you come further. First I ask and adjure you, how you are called, that you tell me true, so that trusted I may. In good faith, said the green knight, Gawain am I, whose buffet befalls you, whate'er betide after and at this time twelve-month take from you another with what weapon you will, and with no man else alive. Sir Gawain, said the green knight, by Gog I rejoice, 
that your fist shall fetch this favor I seek, and you have readily rehearsed and in right terms each clause of my covenant with the king your lord, save that you shall assure me, sir, upon oath, that you shall seek me yourself, wheresoe'er you think my lodging might lie, and look for such wages as you have offered me here before all this host. What is the way there, said Gawain, where do you live? I had never heard of your house by him that made me, nor I know you not, knight, your name, nor your court. But tell me truly thereof, and teach me your name, and I shall fare forth to find you so far as I may. And this I say in good certain, and swear upon oath. That is enough in new year, you need say no more, said the knight in the green to Gawain the noble. If I tell you true, when I have taken your knock, and if you handily have hit, you shall hear straightway of my house and my home and my own name. Then follow in my footsteps by faithful accord, and if I spend no speech, you shall speed the better. You can feast with your friends, nor further trace my tracks. Now hold your grim tool steady, and show us how it hacks. Gladly, sir, already, says Gawain. He strokes the axe. The green knight upon ground girds him with care, bows a bit with his head and bares his flesh. His long lovely locks he laid over his crown. Let the naked nape for the need be shown. Gawain grips to his axe and gathers it aloft. The left foot on the floor before him he set, brought the axe down deftly upon the bare neck, that the shock of the sharp blow shivered the bones and cut the flesh cleanly and clovered in twain, that the blade of bright steel bit into the ground. The head fell to the floor as the axe hewed it off. Many found it at their feet as forth it rolled. The blood gushed from the body bright on the green. Yet fell not the fellow nor faltered a whit. But stoutly he starts forth upon stiff shanks, and as all stood staring, he stretched forth his hand, laid hold of his head, and heaved it aloft. Then goes to the green steed, grasps the bridle, steps into the stirrup, bestrides his mount, and his head by the hair in his hand holds. And as steady he sits in the stately saddle, as he had met with no mishap nor missing were his head, his bulk about he hailed, that fearsome body that bled. There were many in the court that quailed before all his say was said. For the head in his hand he holds right up, toward the first on the dais directs he the face, and it lifted up its lids and looked with wide eyes, and said as much with its mouth as now you may hear. Sir Gawain, forget not to go as agreed, and cease not to seek me till, sir, you find, as you promised in the presence of these proud knights. To the green chapel come, I charge you, to take such a blow as you bestowed. You deserve beyond doubt a knock on your neck next New Year's morn. The knight of the green chapel I am well known to many. 
wherefore you cannot fail to find me at last. Therefore come, or be counted a recreant knight. With a roisterous rush he flings round the reins, hurtles out at the hall door, his head in his hand, that the flint fire flew from the flashing hooves, which way he went, not one of them there knew, nor whence he was come in the wide world so fair. Now take care, Sir Gawain, that your courage wax not cold, when you must turn to your enterprise foretold. Alain Renoir, son of the great French filmmaker Jean Renoir, observed how much Sir Gawain and the Green Knight seems naturally like a movie. I've always imagined it as a movie, casting it in my 1970s 20-something mind with Alan Bates as Sir Gawain and Warren Beatty as the Green Knight, with Julie Christie as the wife of the host when Sir Gawain, one year later, journeys in search of the Green Chapel and comes upon a castle on Christmas Eve and finds himself playing another game before continuing on to his rendezvous with the Green Knight and his unhappy fate. I imagine this movie directed by Robert Altman because the story suits him and the wintry landscape of the second half of the poem is much like that of Altman's McCabe and Mrs. Miller, also starring Beatty and Christie. But the time for that movie has long since passed without its being made, alas. But I'm more than content with only the poem, one of the most delightful and beautiful poems of the English language. If you wish to read it yourself, there are many versions available with the old-fashioned Middle English updated to modern English by different translators. The version I've read from is that translated by Marie Boroff and published by Norton. It makes great winter reading. Until next time, when I'll return to Shakespeare, I'm Dr. J.